May the words I speak and the words we hear be your words of life to us, our God. Amen. So the last Sunday of the church year, the last year in Luke, uh, the last Sunday in Luke, hopefully not the last year in Luke, that would be sad. Uh, it's also uh, Stir Up Sunday, which has got something to do with making sure you've made your Christmas cakes, you've stirred them up, but also an invitation to preachers to stir up their congregations. Um, it's Aotearoa Sunday, which is a Sunday to give thanks for the creation of Te Piopitanga o Aotearoa uh, and to remember the sad story of its uh, slow coming into existence. And Christ the King Sunday, so a lot happening in one Sunday. So I have some questions to start off with, which may magically appear on the screen. So I think about that, as I think about Christ the King Sunday... I wonder what we, what is kingship? What is the kingship that's being talked about here? What are the images or the words that come to mind when we talk about Christ the King? And I wonder what's unhelpful about Christ the King. There's an assumption that it's very helpful. I have some questions about that. And... But what is helpful? What does Christ the King offer us? So some questions. And while I have some thoughts about that, and many of those I've preached about over the last eight years, let's have a conversation. So I invite you to turn around. I have some notes here and I have some slides, but let's have a conversation. So to start off that conversation, I invite you to turn around, talk to your neighbour and have a conversation about those four questions, see how far down you get before we kind of share. All right. Kingship. What are we talking about when we're talking about Christ the King? So what were the images or the words that came to mind when you had your conversations? Uh, well, I guess a good king has to be about the people. Okay. So that's kind of jumping down the, towards the bottom. The, what's Christ the King? It's about the people. So that's the image that comes to mind when you think about yes, King? Right. What about others? Basically, all the leadership is really the disciples and people that follow the disciples to believe. Right. So it's that form of kingship where you're basically the boss. Well, leader. 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 Right. No, it's an evidence. A benevolent leader. What about others? Somebody rather far away from the ordinary people. Somebody far away from the ordinary people, which uh, in our case is even more true, given our Queen lives on the other side of the world, about as far away as you can possibly get. Although we do have the future King touring around New Zealand at the moment, which people are very excited about. I need to do a disclaimer. I discovered at an Order of St. John chaplain's dinner 
uh, when we all rose to sing God Save the Queen, that I was much more of a Republican than I realised. And I struggled to get the words out of my mouth. And the person next to me said at the end, you weren't singing, John. And I went, surprisingly not. I thought I would join in, but no. So I have moved over the years. Uh, just with the images of Christ kingship, like a lot of people expected him to bring independence from the Romans at the time. Like, well, there was an expectation that our king would do that. Yep. Whereas he was it really very little interest whatsoever in promoting that at all. Right. So. So in that sense, it was flipping everything on its head. Yep. So in that sense, it was flipping everything on its head, and uh, and but those images of the non-military leader are also present. So we heard from um, the Jeremiah reading about the king being the shepherd. So shepherd was a strong theme or a strong image of the king, and uh, so the military stuff there was present because the shepherd had to protect you. But there was a, a serious thread of benevolence and all of that. So if we go to the next slide, so all of those things are good, but actually in art, Jesus the King, Christ the King, uh, is usually portrayed in a much more regal way, and in some ways a much more problematic way. So um, you would think that our ideas of kingship were modelled on Christ, but in fact, often it's been the other way around. So um, if you look at a lot of the early Icons, for example, it's Christ the Roman Emperor. So how Christ is king is modelled on how we experience kings or emperors. Uh, so this is, this is a popular one. This is what pops up in or a, a version of this. And this is also problematic from my point of view because generally they're pretty white. Which says that Christ is a white man. And that has legitimized a whole lot of stuff around the world because Christ is white. And this is a good one. So, oh, no, just hold that one for a moment. Go back to it. Ooh, what have you done? Uh, just push back the back arrow. So the forward arrow, the back arrow. There we go. Um, you would be amazed at the number of Christ the Kings with blonde hair and blue eyes as he was some kind of Nordic king. And let's be clear, Jesus was not a Viking, not Nordic. He was Jewish. So curly hair, big nose, just to use all the stereotypes, and quite dark, like Jews are. That's what Jesus looked like. Not a white man. So uh, so this I mean, it's a little bit dark in this one. At least he's got brown hair. But the eyes, well, they're brown, but they're pretty, they're pretty pale. Yeah, and uh, the perp, all the regal stuff. So the next one is even better because this is a Russian icon in the style of a Russian czar. So you want to know what Christ the King looks like? Go and have a look at the czar, which was mostly pretty problematic. I mean, they lived in quite good luxury while lots of people starved to death. I mean, people talk negatively about the communists, and it's like, well, let's have a look at what the communists displaced. And that wasn't so flash in itself. So our images of Christ the King are important, but they also shape 
like we have used our experience of monarchy to then understand what Christ the King looks like. And generally that's not been a good thing. Uh, and it's led Europeans to wander around the world preaching about the white, the white man, Christ the King. That's not great. So the next one along. Oh, that's a surprise. No, that wasn't there. So that's a. I mean, that's pretty amazing. That one. And then I put that one in. So that's Christ with all the kind of earthly things. We we can blame Charlemagne for a lot of this stuff. Um, so Charles the Great. Uh, well, you can blame his father, Pippin the Short, um, uh, who um, was kind of like the prime minister for the king, but did all the work and in the end thought, this sucks, so uh, banished the king to a monastery and became the king, and to legitimise that did a deal with the Pope that the local archbishop would come in and anoint him and crown him king of the Franks. It's the first time the church got involved in coronations. And out of that event came the divine right of kings. And so the king became God's representative or Christ the king's representative in that realm. So it all starts with Pippin the Short and he got all his sons crowned at the same time. One of which was Charlemagne. Which was a little problematic but Charlemagne won out in the end. And... Uh, and while there have been some good kings, goodish kings, like David was a goodish king, but you know, he did some bad stuff. Uriah wasn't his best best friend at the end of it all. Um, there's a whole lot of Saxons who don't don't remember Charlemagne so well. He butchered many thousands of those in a fit of rage. So uh, you know, human kings aren't great. But what's the next one? I'm very surprised. Okay, something's like I'm very surprised. Next one, that's that's the one we start off with. So here we have the blue eyes. There's the Roman emperor. Ah, that's the one. I have no idea how those other ones got in there. So this kind of goes towards how the Bible presents Christ the King as the crucified King. Which is why today we had that, like most of us were probably thinking, why have we got a crucifixion story on Christ the King? Because actually for the Gospel writers, that was the moment he was crowned King. Not with all the fancy stuff, not with all the robes, not with all the crowns. Well, he does have a crown, but a crown of thorns, which is there underneath the other crown. So we're kind of moving towards it on this one. Much simpler clothes, crown of thorns. So what does it mean for Christ the King to be a crucified King? What, what does it mean for us for that moment to be the moment of coronation? And how does that shape our understanding of what it means to be King if the crucifixion is the moment? So I've talked about some of the unhelpful stuff about some of our images. What were some of the unhelpful things that you came up with? Any others? 
Well, some of the commentaries pointed out that king is very male. Christ the king. And uh, while Jesus was a male, is the risen Christ a male? And does a male then say that the Godhead is male? And there are a lot of Christians who would say, yes, God is a male. There is no doubt about that. But there are people like me who would say, that's ridiculous. How can God be male? Like in the Genesis story, Adam simply means not male, but human one. Male and female gets created later on. And God is beyond male and female. God is neither male and female. God is both male and female. God is beyond male and female. So if all that imagery of Christ the King is male, that is hugely problematic and has been used to put women under, under let's just leave it at that, for a long time. So that imagery is problematic. And how we even the term Christ the King. Any other problems you came up with that with the ideas, the imagery? Well, we associate king with that ruling in uh, an economic sense or a military sense, but that was once again the opposite of what Jesus was about. Once again the opposite of what Jesus is on about, yeah. So our images of Christ the King then uh, come up with all the wrong things. I think one of the problem another problem of it. Well, we'll get to the good things. So what are the good things about Christ the King? What is helpful about it? Do you want to go to the next slide? So this is, the, this is a Franciscan thing, clearly. There's Francis and the crucified Christ. And this, for Francis, was his image of Christ the King. Always the crucified Christ, which then shaped everything that he did and led him on... Uh, quite a different path from where the rest of his church was. So what are some of the good things about Christ the King? There's got to be some. Would you come up with? Gurley's opening gambit was that Christ redefined kingship by right. washing, servants, uh, washing his disciples' feet. Totally different model. Totally different model. Exactly. So... Which is a pity that then we keep flipping it around and rather than using Christ's model of kingship to describe what a king should look like, we keep flipping that around and using our understanding of kingship to describe Christ's kingship. That's where the problem is. We keep flipping that around. There are some other, other reasons that Christ the king is good. Can you think of any? Preach love and forgiveness. Yep. Preach love and forgiveness. When this, uh, when the Pope came up with this, in, so it's a Catholic thing that uh, many of the rest of the church have adopted, one of the things that he was trying to encourage was that our primary allegiance, I think he would have said our primary allegiance was to the Catholic church, but, uh, and I would have questions about that, not only because I'm an Anglican, but um, the primary, the primary, but because I'm a Franciscan actually, the primary allegiance is to Christ. That is the number one allegiance, which is more important than yourself, more important 
than your country, more important than your culture, your race, and, this is where I get a little bit more controversial, more important than the church. So the primary allegiance is to Christ. And I can say that because, as a Franciscan, we say that we follow the footsteps of Christ who walked in the footsteps... No, we follow the footsteps of Christ through the footsteps of Francis and Claire. So Christ is the, is the point. And there were times when Francis, because his primary allegiance was to Christ, could challenge what the Pope was saying. Even though in his rule he said we should be obedient to the Pope, there were some issues in which he took great issue with the Pope, including things like the Crusades, which he opposed as indefensible. So, so primary allegiance to, to Christ. And we live in a world where we need that. But where too often Christ the King has been colonised to, and certainly down through history, to support our other allegiances. And we can see that uh, throughout history where country or your kingdom, your empire, actually, countries is a pretty modern invention, it was empires. And so your primary allegiance was to your king and to your empire. And... Christ the King became the supporter of that entity. And the First World War is a great example of that. Where we went off and fought for king and country, or king and empire. And Christ the King was on our side. Actually on the German side, they were fighting for Kaiser and empire. And the Lutheran God was on their side. Turns out it was the same God. Same Christ the King. But... Uh, but you see what we've done? We've kind of made Christ the King in our image and then Christ the King served our country, served our empire, instead of the other way around. But there were people who said, my first allegiance is to Christ and I will not fight, and they were vilified by their fellow Christians. They were sentenced to imprisonment, they did hard labour in this country, Several of them were then taken to the front line, forced to the front line, and strung up in front of the lines as a lesson to any of those other fools who would say that Christ was their first allegiance. It was country that was first. Now, I don't know how many of you went down to Wellington and saw the Gallipoli exhibition in Papa, and there was a very interesting little piece uh, where it was looking at... Um, uh, I can't even... It was the bit where they did William Malone and uh, they had a little diorama of what it was like on his part of, uh, of um, Gallipoli and they talked about a conscientious objector who... Um, well, he wasn't a conscientious objector. He was a, a medic who refused to carry a weapon. Now, in the Second World War, he was a, he was a Methodist and he was a Methodist minister in full connection, and he was ejected from conference because he refused to obey the command from conference that they were not to preach anti-war sermons. Now, he had been in the First World War as a medic. He knew what war was about. And he said, no, I'm a pacifist. And that whole group were ejected from the Methodist conference. 
their church said, Britain is first. That's our first allegiance. And Christ will serve that agenda. So it's a hard thing having Christ first. We've seen uh, the white Christ the King. And the reality is when the settlers came here they said God is white. And the church became the vehicle by which we, we then said to Māori our ways are better and our God is white. And we were a little affronted when there was a kind of slightly Māori picture of Jesus uh, in St. Faiths. How can you do that? When we have all our white pictures of Jesus and he wasn't white. So, you know, like... John, isn't that because of the, of the time, or of all the times of history, they all work within the... Oh yeah, Very. and we do it as well. And we do it today. We do it as well. But we, we probably look further afield and because we are able to see every single part of the world today, we can expand yep. our... We can. Knowledge. And that's the invitation about Christ the King this year. Is that what does it look like for Christ to be our first allegiance and everything else is subservient to that ourselves, our country, our church, our tikanga. What does it mean when Christ is the first allegiance? We live in a world where climate change is uh, becoming an increasing issue and, and part of having Christ as our first allegiance, I would say, is actually acknowledging where we have failed in the past and where we have failed in the past is we have preached a gospel which said Christ the King is King of all creation, which means we as the representatives of Christ, can do whatever we like without any consequences. And there are still a lot of Christians who preach that today. Christ the King has been, is used to support our ideas. Or we can see the rise of nationalism in Trump and Brexit, or in uh, Brazil and other places around the world and see the role of conservative Christians in supporting that. But what do we do with something like Hitler if we don't fight? Oh, well, I, I agree with that. But Hitler only rose because of the First World War. If there was no First World War, there's no Hitler. So... Or maybe Hitler arrives in a different way. So, uh, so how do we how do we stand as Christ being our first allegiance in the face of that rising nationalism? What do we offer into that narrative in it, in its place, where America first, Britain first, and St George and Christ will support us in that. So there is a need in our world to think about what does Christ the King mean for us if Christ is our first allegiance? How do we live that out? What are the issues that are we called to stand on? Or the rise of white supremacists in this country and around the world which says the, the, the white way of life, the European way of life is superior. 
and a part that is bolstered by conservative Christians who say, because that's the God-given way. So, again, Christ the King is used to support and actually something that they place at top of the tree. This is my first allegiance. I once had a conversation with a young Māori girl who said, I'm first Māori and then Christian. And I went, for me, it's the other way around. I'm first Christian and then Parker, because being Christian has to critique how I live out my cultural identity. But too often we don't allow that to happen. Our cultural identity shapes how we live out our faith. We don't allow that critique to happen. So Christ the King, I think, is important. But our problem is that too often our images and our history gets in the way and Christ the King becomes subservient to our other allegiances. So on this Christ the King Sunday, what does it mean for Christ the King to be our first allegiance? And what's some other language we can place around that that does the same thing that might be more helpful? So give you a couple of minutes just to talk to your neighbour about those two things and then we'll uh, say some prayers.